Welcome to the Vet Church Podcast. Vet Church interviews are authentic, sacred, and inspirational. Vet Church is open to anyone who appreciates the sacrifice made by the women and men who put on a uniform and served this great nation. Find out more at vetchurch.com or retiredarmychaplain.com. So Vet Church got the opportunity to sit with, uh, this is this is the second time I've sat with sisters and mm-hmm. consecutive evenings. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. So, um, and y'all's dad was... World War II. World War II veteran. Captain. Captain. And he was the... Uh, he was in Air charge of... Army Air Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, Before they yeah, split, right? Before they split to the Army Air Force. Army Air Force. Right. Yeah, yeah. So this is the beginning of the Air Force. Exactly. And he was a pilot, made it all the way through, and found out that he'd had a surgery, and then they said, well, now you're going to be a mechanic. And was that? Well, he he couldn't be a pilot, which we wanted to be, but he was like, I think a bombardier. A bombardier. A bombardier dude. And something to do with the bombs. Yeah. Something. So anyway, I, I, I love it because you're married to a veteran. Your son mm-hmm. is um, in the U.S. Coast Guard. My cousin, yeah. And I'm, like, I'm, I'm proud of him. He's a. We played a show up at his house. Well, it wasn't at his house. It's in Baltimore, and mm-hmm. he drove me and my drummer to the show. Oh, cool. And um, oh, it was it was an immense because we played in this little dive bar down where they filmed The Wire. Oh, right on the wharf. Wow. It was it was like not the coolest place, and it was great having. Mm-hmm. Somebody Josh. doing the security because, right. well, yeah, and, and you know, and Josh is like, as soon as we get in there, he's talking to people and everything. Oh, yeah, he's watching right now. Oh, he is? Hey, Josh. <laughs> what up, Josh? And, hey, um, baby. And he's giving me some great tips on, because he's a mechanic, he's giving me some great tips on getting better gas mileage as we travel around <laughs> the country. Um, yeah, so, the man to talk to. But I, I definitely wanted to do an interview with both of y'all. Um, because if we move into this idea of healing, you know, in the vet church, I got that school. Oh, by the way, if you hit these things, it, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is why the, it really shows. But um, I, I got that skull with the word heal in mm-hmm. the top because to heal, you heal through your pain. And, and other people, your pain can help other people out as they heal. And to, I don't really understand it all, but you two ladies. Your have, story, which you would think, yeah. Not going to mean anything to anybody else. Actually, there's somebody out there that can relate and and it does identify, mean something. Yeah. So you're actually well, and it's hard to do. Yeah, it's hard to tell your story. And yeah. you, and you two ladies have been through some real crap. I mean, <laughs> it, like you know, and it, when it, when I first asked you, you're like, oh, why should I tell? But it, but it, you've been watching ventures. You've both been part of it. You've supported Kate and I from the very beginning. You might think we're a little nuts, but no, I love oh. it. that's why I keep watching it. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I just I thought about it. I, you, you know, um, Dar especially. Like I'd like to start with you talking about okay, cancer. Cancer. It is not a nice word. Um, in 1996 is when I was first diagnosed with breast cancer, and I had chemo and radiation and. Uh, that was really hard. I had to give my kids up to their daddy for the time that I was ill and stayed with my mom because uh, I lost my job at the same time. And um, so, did you? you either were you fired or you just can't? No, I actually they they let about ten of us go, and I found out I had breast cancer like the next day. So they extended my medical leave so that I could get chemo and radiation within six weeks. So they helped you a little bit, but you're still like yeah. the stress of not having But then I ended up back at that job. They called me back. All that stuff in. But the thing weeks. is, um, that, was, that was really hard, and that was 20 some odd years ago, which was not quite as common as it is now. You know, I was 42 when that happened. And the kids were 12 and 14. And um, of course they thought they were gonna lose their mama and uh, I wasn't yeah. sure either. Um, but for 10 years, I stayed cancer-free. And then in 2006, her 10th year, 10th year, I got cancer again uh, in the, another, the same breast, just a small area. I went up to, the doctor here wanted to do a mastectomy, which I did not agree with. And I ended up finding out about Cancer Treatment Centers of America 
which at the time um, was in Zion, Illinois. And I decided to go there because they had um, kind of alternative treatments and they believed in... They gave you some hope. Healing, uh, uh, taking vitamins, not just the chemo and all that kind of thing. Um, and uh, I found much healing there. They also had a chaplain there, uh, pastoral care. Yeah. Um, they treated her like she mattered. She wasn't yeah. just another number They of, treat of you cancer. like you are someone, and they listen to you. And your sister got to go up there with you. Pam, right? yes, my sister Pam went up with me. Because later her husband... Yes, he went up there too. Going up mm -hmm. there for himself for I prostate mean. cancer, and uh, it was amazing. And uh, he came through it great. And uh, so, time passed, and then in 2010, it came back as a tumor in my chest. And uh, this is the third time. Third time. So I had uh, <laughs> chemo and some radiation again here in. Mobile. I just didn't feel like I wanted to go all the way to Zion again. That was just me, you know. But um, then it came back after like two years later, 2012. Well, that first one disappeared. Yeah, it did. And then it came back again. Um, but anyway, in 2012, it came back and I told the doctor, no more chemo. I'm not doing any more chemo. That's so I'm, I'm just going to do it. This Herceptin, which was a drug, but didn't have the side effects that the other did. And I went on an alkaline diet and drank alkaline water. And my mom was doing that. All this stuff, you know, uh, greens, eating my greens. <laughs> no processed food. No processed food. Just clean eating. And the doctor had thought maybe by six months it would have shrunk enough for them to do surgery to take the, the tumor out. And when I went back in three months, my daughter was with me and the doctor said, your cancer is gone. The tumor is gone. Again. And we were like, wow. That, that was time number four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as time goes, you kind of slip off the wagon for us. <laughs> Oh, so good eating yeah, and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of stressful things happened. Um, um, last year, I lost my sister to suicide. And that affected our whole family. Oh, yeah. And, you know, trauma and all that kind of thing. And who knows why um, cancer comes back. But this time, it's in my lymph nodes. And, of course, it's stage and four mystatic breast cancer. So this is a big battle yeah. this time. And you just got back, like, was mm -hmm. it two days or like two weeks ago from, mm -hmm. from Cancer Treatment Centers of America in, in Atlanta. Atlanta. And mm -hmm. now you're going back this week, yes. this Friday. Mm -hmm. So when we're on our way to Louisville, you'll be going. Yes, be driving my husband and I will be driving up there. Um, but I want to state that through this journey, and it's been a long journey, that if I didn't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and if I didn't have him to hold on to, and to know that he's there with his hand reached out to me, I would not have been able to make it. Now, I gotta ask you this, okay? So, because, so, you know, we, we got people in vet church that aren't Christians. You know, in vet church, it's not a forum for Christians to proselytize. Mm -hmm. and, and I've been real clear about that. Mm -hmm. And I'm also clear about the fact that I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. But it's not just a good luck charm for you. You're not just grabbing on it, because I, I know who you are. You yes. Know? Like, I'm. I'm married to your my beautiful niece, niece you know? yes <laughs> and um, and you've been the same person the whole time it's not just like it's like when I first did that first interview with Scott Carpenter coming down with the, the stuff the what's Scott leukemia. got leukemia mm -hmm. and he and I asked him I was like you went from this cussing swearing world you know warrior and he's like well that was part of the army mm -hmm. but I have this faith in right. God that's beyond that's beyond just my own. So, so talk about that a minute. I mean, because it's real for you. It's real you, for me. Yes, he is not just um, a story. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ as I have a relationship with you. But I, I think a lot of times people don't realize that maybe they accept Christ into their life, but they never grow. And you grow in faith by reading the Word, you know? Talk about that. 
as you read the word, it's his word speaking to you and talking to you. It's a love story that he wrote to us. And if we don't read it, we don't know how much he loves us. And he loves everyone. Doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. You can't have done anything wrong enough for him not to love you. See, and, and it's all in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's like, you know, it's, we were just talking earlier. It's like, mm -hmm. I want to quit so many times being, being out here playing music, being a chaplain. Mm -hmm. Because I don't feel like I'm good enough. And I don't not just not feel like I'm good enough. I know. I, you know, like, mm -hmm. I don't hear you drop the F-bomb. Mm -hmm. I've never heard you drop the I'm sure you might have at one point. Oh, it's happened. But, <laughs> but like, I mean, there's, there's like, you, my mom. Um, she, Kate didn't even use the word shit until she married me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I feel bad about things like that sometimes, you know. And I, You're not supposed to say that. Oh, Ixnay. No. <laughs> <laughs> But I, but I think about stuff like that, and I think about the fact that, like, regardless of my own ineptitude, there's a God who's been real and who's, who's given me a little bit of strength yes. along the way. And it's not, a, it's, it's not enough strength to, like, not be in pain anymore. Right. But it's enough strength to just make it through tomorrow. Through the pain. Yeah. Yes, and, and he does. And, you know, some people, you know, may look at me and think, mm, she is like wacko. But I'm glad I'm wacko. You know, I'm glad that I have a, a relationship with a God who loves me as I am, in my weakness, in my pain. Even when I'm screaming and mad at him because the cancer's back. And I don't understand. And it's okay to be mad. And it's okay. He understands like a father, if you had a good father. Some folks, and a lot of folks, didn't. But if you had a loving father, times that just hundreds times hundreds. Because he loves you no matter what. And he is there to pick you up and hold you yeah. and love you and show you the way. And, it, and it's like... Like, so, you know, if, if on Friday I was driving mm -hmm. to Atlanta to go to work on my body with cancer, mm -hmm. I'd be freaking out. We've had a whole meal. We ate, Tina, what did you cook? Uh, spaghetti. spaghetti. And it was incredible. Tina okay. made incredible spaghetti. Very good. And um, we've sat here, the dog's running around. We've enjoyed good company. And never once do you mention the cancer. The anxiety must be incredible, and yet you've got this peace that's kind of beyond... A peace that passes all understanding. It's really there. It's like, there. You, you freak me out a little bit, darling. <laughs> like because, I, you know, what I was in July, I got called them, they said, oh, they saw a lump in your lungs. Because mm -hmm. I had pneumonia. Mm -hmm. And Kate will tell you, I was Scared you. a pretty picture that, mm -hmm. you know, for like, not just 30 seconds, like 30, 40 minutes, I was like... I'm dead. You know, mm -hmm. like I, I kept thinking this is it. You know, they find a lump in your lump, lump in your lungs. We've been around the burn pits. We got all this stuff. Right. And, I mean, I think Kate and I, we'll be married in 98. So I met you probably before that a little bit. And Long time. And you've always, ever since I've known you, you've been going through this cancer stuff. Mm -hmm. you, you're like a rock. Well, he's my rock. See, I love that. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I mean, Dar's like, and it's not just me saying that. No, it's I not. believe that. Yeah, and um, I hit that, but um, it's something you want to share with people because there's so many hurting people out there, so many that have been through so many different traumas in their life, and maybe people think there's no hope, or maybe people think, you know, nobody loves me, nobody understands me. Like Christ understands you, when it, you know. In, in, see, in he gets it. That's a that's a real thing. I mm -hmm. mean, like when I sat over there, y'all know. You, you're, I mean, we're two hours apart here, and I'm sitting over there all drugged up. You'd see me, mm -hmm. and I was a different person. Fourteen, fifteen pills a day, mm -hmm. but I felt nobody wanted me to be around. Mm -hmm. Y'all invited me over, come over to the house. Y'all invited me out to your little ranch, mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff, and I just couldn't do it because. Mm -hmm. 
what do you say to somebody like that that's going through something? You know, I've, I've been telling folks, get out, go see somebody. Mm-hmm. Go do. I think it's always good to go talk to someone about your pain. But if people would just understand the ultimate counselor is Jesus Christ. Oh, change things. He will change your life. If you just give him a chance, if you just open your heart to him and, hey, what do you have? You know, what's it going to hurt to try? Well, and and the other thing is you're not talking about a Christ that is walk this way, talk this way. You're not good enough. You got to do this. You got to do that. No. That's not the Christ you're talking about. No. He loves you and loves you as you are. And honestly, when you come to know him and you love him, just as you love your dad or you love your mom and you want to please them and you want to do things to make them happy, so do I want to make my Lord happy. You know, so I, I strive to be the kind of person he wants me to be. And it's, it, I mean, it's really, mm-hmm. ugly. I mean, when, do you agree, Tina? Like this, mm-hmm. there's one thing about Dar, all that crap. And it's, it's really painful. It's painful. And you've never been like, She's never complained. She's never lost faith. She's never oh, I know. made herself and her situation the center of attention. It's just like she accepts it and she trusts in the Lord. And It's wow. probably the hardest. I mean, like, what, like sometimes I do because I know you'll be watching. And I'm, I'll drop the F-bomb and I'll think to myself, oh, no, Dar's watching. Or you know, and there's, there's a handful of people that I know. Because, mm-hmm. because, um, but the other thing I know about you is, is it's like, like my mom said, you gotta love Christ. And if you love Christ and all that other stuff is there, eventually you'll, you'll be okay because it's Christ's okayness that makes you okay. It's not your own okayness. Right. You, you're never going to be good enough. The no. good enough thing, that's a lie. Right. There is no good enough. Nobody's good enough if we wouldn't need christ mm-hmm. that's right it's in our pain and our hurt that he's there and he's there for you whether you're in your bed alone whether you're with a, a group of people you know and you can talk to him so many people think well i just can't pray i can't pray with a bunch of people well praying is just talking to god it's just talking to him like I'm talking to you. I can be driving down the road, and people think I'm crazy when they see me driving down the road, probably. And I'm just talking to God, you know, just talking to him. Sometimes I'm singing, <clears throat> waving the hand, you know. I mean, it's okay. Because yes. while I'm in that car, it's, it's just well, God's there him and me, you. Yeah. you know. And you can have peace in your life, real peace. You can have happiness. You can have joy. It's there. And, and, and I'm telling you folks, like, so we've been married 20 years. So I've known you on and off 20 years. And we're mm-hmm. not, you know, Kate and I, we're hardly ever over here. Mm-hmm. But I've never, and I've known you went through some stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, and yet, you're not just, I, I, I'm not just sitting here like I wouldn't, I wanted to ask you about this stuff if I thought for five seconds that you were like going to be like, oh, I'm going to tell you all this good stuff. And then, you know, get out down the road and start freaking out. I mean, you, you'll, you might freak out a little bit because you're human. <laughs> but who you are is somebody that really loves Christ and that has been, like, this whole oncology, the cancer stuff, mm-hmm. it freaks me out. Right. And it's it's a lot. Especially after mom passed. And it's like, right. like it takes my breath away. Mm-hmm. You go Like Uncle Billy told me that you were up there like a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. Like we t- were talking on the phone. And then I'm like, oh, no, you know, like it freaks me out. And Uncle Bill's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, there are good folks up there to CT. Mm-hmm. What's it called again? <laughs> cancer <CTA>. treatment. <laughs> yeah. CT, <laughs> CTCA, um, CTCA. Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And I have to say this one thing, that God does answer your dreams sometimes. And I think he does. The more you pray to him and talk to him and let him know how much you really want this. Um, my whole life, my whole life, I've wanted horse, a horse. I hope, I was it's been my dream, my dream life. since I was like one, I guess. I don't know. Um, yep. And I, I honestly had, you know, like, 
kind of settled that, okay, I'll never have a horse. I can go ride a horse. I can go see horses, but I'll never own a horse because I'm a city girl. I don't remember when you said that. I yeah. guess I'll never have a horse. But, and there was a time that I'd said to God, all right, you don't want me to have a horse? I guess I won't have a horse. I can't have a horse unless you provide the horse and I'm not going to get a horse. And I just kind of left it at that. I, I would drive down the road. I wouldn't even look at that horse over there. <laughs> I'd just drive down the road. I'd say, nope, I'm not going to look at it because it was a passion and I wasn't getting that passion fulfilled, you know. And um, so then God brought this man into my life. And I really never thought I'd probably get married again. I had been divorced like 20 some odd years. And um, he brought me a wonderful man. And this man lived in the country in Mississippi. And, I was, and he had land and I was like, ooh, <laughs> you know. And first thing he told me when I said something about horses, I will never have horses again. <laughs> and I said, what? No, I'll never have horses again. We had horses all our life and we've already taken down all the fences and we had God, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, that's all right, you know. Because you'd already decided that if God wanted you to have a horse. If he wanted me to have a horse, gonna have I was going to have a horse. <laughs> so I married David Ball and... Um, he was like, well, I guess we need to get you a horse. <laughs> right on. <laughs> and he provided in that way, in that, you know, the fences went up, things were done. And That's he, a lot of work, isn't it? He loved me enough to do that for me. And that, to me, was that was real love there. Um, that was also a major answer to her prayers because with her going through all this cancer, she never really felt like a man would want me would want her right because it's too scary and she was pretty to the fact of you know there probably never be a man that wants me i'll probably just die alone as far as marriage goes and he brought david into her life and literally she wanted a good man if she got one and he's an awesome man and he got her horses she's got mm -hmm. a big huge beautiful horse and then she's got a little baby miniature horse. horse that's <laughs> adorable and <laughs> so her dreams and her wishes and her prayers literally fell through when she met david have been fulfilled yeah, yeah. and now i'm just waiting for what else he wants to do but one thing i want to say too that even you know, I look at my life and some might say, but you've dealt with this all your life, just pain, this worry, this constant pressure of cancer gonna come back, is the cancer gonna come back? And it is hard. But even if something, I'm, I'm not planning on dying anybody, you know, that's not my plan, you know, I plan to live. Um, God says that I shall live and give praise to the Lord, you know. But if it happened that I might die in a car wreck for some reason, um, I'm okay with that because I know I'm going to go see my Jesus and I'm going to be in heaven with him because his Bible, his word states that that's true. And I believe that. Well, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's a strange thing for folks to think that this is all there is. That's right. I mean, like all of us are going to die. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, we just know, don't know when we don't know when. And mm -hmm. the weird thing is, it's like my mom. Um, my mom said to me, you know, everybody has everybody has an appointed time. Mm -hmm. Everybody, all of us. And how we love and how we live in the meantime. It, it's like it's almost like I want to be like your son's in the back room playing video game. <laughs> He don't care about the lights being on or how much it costs y'all to fix what. <laughs> He's relaxed. He didn't have any clue what what it cost to buy a gallon of Coke or a mm -hmm. gallon of milk or a, a loaf of bread. You got that right. How did all this happen <laughs> that we got so consumed? Because then we start worrying. Right. And then what about our health? He's mm -hmm. not. He's out there playing football. He ain't worried about his health. Mm -hmm. You know. I mean, like. Uh, can it get bigger and stronger? You know, like, right? He even said, uh, "I feel more buff today." Buff. <laughs> That's great, man. Literally a couple hours ago. And but I love that. Like it's a, it's you know I look at that and I think that children, 
because anxiety mm-hmm. you know like ooh, that doesn't help any of us out right and it's some it's so hard to look at and go well this little kid is in there playing video games and probably has to be i mean i don't know he's a normal boy mm-hmm. if he's anything like me he's got to be told to do everything probably four times by the two um, of you yes and so <laughs> if he but he's alive and somewhere we lose as adults we seem to lose this mm-hmm. idea that like if that of a heavenly father is a real dad you know like this right. you know relationship that is perfect mm-hmm. you know it's it's um perfect this is a perfect relationship where god cares well maybe we shouldn't spend all this time worrying about everything that's going to happen because that's right it's, it's we're good to go mm-hmm. and we are going to go sooner or later mm-hmm. so just enjoy life god will take care of us but it's hard it's i mean this probably it's you know especially having post-traumatic stress where things that happened back then mm-hmm. haunt me mm-hmm. and, and we're not talking like it's okay we're talking you know, wake up and sweating. Right. Um, Or freaking out, or like, I gotta go to the bathroom, Mm -hmm. or whatever it is, you know, it's like, that's no peace in that, though. Real peace is what you're talking about, that, you know, okay, so I've got this. God's got me, too. My husband and I are gonna get to go to Atlanta for a couple of days and Mm -hmm. hang out. That's right. Go to the Coca-Cola place. Mm -hmm. Go (laughs) visit my brother. That's right, Kevin's up there. Tony, yes. Yeah, that's right. Um, hey, you tell Kevin and Tony said hello too. I will. Uh, yeah, it's been a while since I've seen them. Um, I, I think the animals are real important. Yes, definitely. We have five dogs too. Yeah? Yes. What mm-hmm. dogs y'all got? Oh my goodness. Uh, a Yorkie. I don't know what the others are. They're strays. Dogs like a Shih Tzu. Um, they're they're Just, they're all little. They're all but they're little. all half breeds. Yeah, and except for the Yorkie and the I guess. And Shih Tzu. one was a real rescue. David rescued that had oh, been the hor- horribly abused. No smoke. Oh, smoke. Um, and he still to this day talk about PTSD. This dog has PTSD. Bad. Oh, totally. Yeah. He he won't Skittish. let anyone else around him. Sometimes he runs from me, you know. But David is his David is his savior, you know, and. Uh, he loves David so much. So you have five dogs? We have five dogs. I mean, three. Three. Mm-hmm. And you're babysitting one. And I'm babysitting one. And Kate and I have two dogs. <laughs> See, you know, it's like sometimes I was saying to um, somebody else the other day that dog is God spelled backwards. Yeah, God is dog. And sometimes I think that, like, the way we treat animals mm-hmm. has everything to do with how we really, what we can understand about God. Mm-hmm. Well, God loves us. You can see unconditionally, a like of, a dog does. You know, you can see a lot of God, which you know, spell backwards, but in dogs, they don't hate. They can be treated horribly, and they're still going to love you. They're still going to come back. They are unconditional love, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like you know, God, Jesus Christ. There is no judgment, doesn't matter how you look, how big you are, anything. (laughs) And you can either treat them good or bad, and they're still going to love you just as hard. And it's totally unconditional. There's no stipulations. There's no nothing. They just love you, and they want to please you, and they want you to love them. Mm -hmm. That's all they want. The other day, Doc was jumped into my seat from the back, you know, like, we're driving down the road, he's in the minivan, jumps up there. So I put him in the back, jumps up there, put him <laughs> in the back. And like, finally, like we were turning or somewhere in the city, and I grabbed the collar thing that he, you know, to keep the harness on him while we're driving. I grabbed his collar and I threw him back. I'm like, I was kind of angry, right? <laughs> as soon as I slowed down, but he was right back over there. <laughs> you know, it's, but you're right. And I wasn't happy with him. I didn't hurt him or anything. Right. And he's only this big. But, but he pissed you off. <laughs> Yeah, I don't like it. And then I thought to myself, like, I'm the one that's quick to anger. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that's, that's like, I, I will be, I will say things. And I just did it to my dog, you know? Like, if I could have. And I don't even know if dogs have anger. 
don't know either. Because honestly, if they fight or they growl, they're giving you a warning that there's something you're doing or that they're not agreeing with. So I'm giving you a warning and, you know, fighting another dog or whatever. It might be a territory thing, but it's not about, it's just, it's there's not no, about anger. Yeah, there's no guile there. There's no, no like preconceived. Like I said, you can treat them horribly, and they're still going to run right back to you. Mm-hmm. And then they'll just run back to each other. Yeah. Just be all happy. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd, I'd ask you to say a little bit to the group, that church, about experiencing pain that other people put on you and removing yourself from that pain. When other people do you wrong, mm-hmm. um, abuse stuff. Yeah. Do you, do you still want to talk about that? Or? That's fine. Um, I was in a relationship that I guess I was enthralled because he was a good-looking man. He was military, which was always a passion of mine. And at first, he treated me so good. And... I was not used to being treated like I was everything to somebody. But then it turned into more of an obsession. He didn't want me going anywhere. He tried to tear me away from my family, keep me away from my family. Uh, I'll never forget. Uh, And I should have seen the flags there and just said, peace out, dude. But I had some friends over and one of them was a guy watch the uh, Mike Tyson fight and this guy is was a friend of mine for like 15 years I introduced him to his wife and his wife was out of town so I was like dude come over and let's watch the Tyson fight and when he walked in he grabbed me around the neck and did this you know we always acted silly together and the guy I was with totally wigged out and he went outside. Well, he made everybody in the room uncomfortable. Everybody that was there kind of just left because he was acting ridiculous. And then when Robbie left, he went outside and I was like, mm, what's he doing? Next thing I hear is this big slap on the wall. And he had just hit the wall as hard as he could with his fist and broke a bunch of these bones up in here and one of some bones in his hand. And then you know, he'd already treated me bad because I was friends with this guy that I'd been friends with forever before he ever came around. And then he wanted me to take him to the hospital because he said I broke my hand, I think. And I did, but I should have seen right there. That was like a big, huge warning that, but my problem was I was like enthralled and just engulfed. He wanted to be with me all the time. He wanted always take me somewhere he never wanted me to go by myself he just always wanted to be with me and I took that as wow this guy loves me you know he just wants to be with me all the time I realized it was more of an obsession and he was extremely jealous and he didn't want me to go anywhere by myself because he didn't want any man around me it wasn't about what I thought it was it was all just obsession control and jealousy and there were a number of different things that happened and that got physical and he was literally ripping me away from my family. And how did you get out? Uh, well, a big thing happened that I found out about and he had used my credit card and got a phone and I didn't know all this because I was too trusting. and. At that point, I felt like I was a piece of crap because he had conditioned to me feel like I was worth nothing. Can't do any better than him, so don't even try. And, you know, I was ugly. Just that mind control thing. And back then, I know I looked good now looking back on it. So I know I wasn't ugly. But anyway, it's a mind control thing. (laughs) But I mean, it was a mind control thing. And he played it to the hilt with me. And I fell right into it because I thought, oh, wow, this dude loves me so much. But... Then I started realizing this is becoming more of an obsession and he's lying to me. And then I found a phone bill one day because he was on my cell phone bill and he had all these women on there he'd been calling. So I called all the numbers and I found out these are all these women that he's dating and he's living with me. 
and um, engaged. We even got engaged. And so, what do you? What would you say? Because, because you know, this is going on all over the place. Mm-hmm. There's women who are being abused, even as we speak. And, and there's men okay. who's being abused. You pointed the men. Scott, point, yeah, I'm like, oh, sorry. Scott <laughs> pointed that out to me earlier. Like, there's men going through it too. Yes, definitely. And, it, and it's like we talked about this, like. It's a mind control thing. And it's hard. It doesn't even matter if you're a strong person. Yeah. Or a weak person. It's just they have that systematic way of overpowering you mentally and physically. Did people help you get out of this relationship when you were No, realized? because I didn't let anybody know except for my sister. And she witnessed. I mean, she came over and we were going to go walk around the track at South Alabama. Just go walk. And he went crazy, shit ballistic. I thought he was going to kill me. (laughs) He didn't want us going to a track to walk with each other. And he said, "Well, if you're going, I'm walking behind you." I'm like, "Oh my god!" It was like, "How dare you? Really, really? How dare you ask my sister to go?" And he was jumping her butt because he was pissed at her because she came over for us to go walk. I mean, he was just nuts. Mm -hmm. And one big incident happened, really big. I mean, he got, I mean, there's all kinds of little things he did to me. I mean, he hit me, he kicked me in the shins, he grabbed me by by my hair, and in the door, in between the door, he just slammed my head in between the door frames, and then next thing I know, he stuck his foot out, and I was slammed face down on the floor. And I still, it's just, I look back and I'm like, God, how stupid was I? How was I that stupid? But, but that's the nature of an abusive relationship. Yeah. You're yeah. stuck. And, and it, then what happened to make me say I'm done is that big incident that happened. Uh, he was so mad at me that he decided he wanted to kill me. And he told me, I'm going to kill you. And he threw me down on the couch and he stuck his, shoulder, his knees on my shoulders and had his legs in between my legs so I literally could not move. And he proceeded to choke me out. And... I couldn't even talk because he was choking me so hard. I, I couldn't talk. And then I just remember everything going black. And I, I do remember thinking, oh my God, he really is going to kill me this time. He really is. I'm done. And then I woke up. So, so telling this, does it take you right back there? Not as bad as it used to. Because you've, you've talked about it. Yeah. You've worked through it. No, well, you never over things like this. No, it's but it, it doesn't stress. haunt me like it used to. Yeah. Um, and I can talk about it because I knew after that guy, I would never, ever date somebody where the flags were all right in front of my face and I ignored them. Yeah. And it's not even that I really ignored them. <clears throat> well, according to her, I did. But <laughs> yeah. I didn't see it. I saw it. Flags. I saw it as wow. This guy loves me so much. If that's going on, what could 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 you? All I remember. Tell somebody else. Hey, listen. This is. Yes, I wouldn't tell my brothers. Yes, she wouldn't tell my nephew because, Mm -mm. and I didn't tell my brothers. And actually, Rick wanted to kill me after he found all that out. Yeah, because he didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. He was mad, and Rick doesn't play. And I didn't want to tell my brothers because I was scared my brothers were going to fight him and then get thrown in jail. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I wanted to protect my brothers because I knew they would kill him or close would. to it. Huh? I think your brothers But would. I kept saying, but there's so many of them. <laughs> but I just didn't want to put them <laughs> in a position him. where they would actually go to jail for assault or whatever because he wasn't worth it. Yeah. He wasn't worth somebody destroying half of their life because of that piece of shit. <laughs> well, and you, you did get out. I did. I, I finally, after he choked me, that was it for me. It, so, it took a, a long time to get out of it. Yes, <laughs> it did. He kept. He, he kept, stalked me. Yes. For so about it was a scary. Month or two. You've never been diagnosed with PTSD. I've never gone anywhere to find to get yeah. diagnosed. Well, but as we as we've talked. Now I know I do. And in the more we talk, like the same symptoms are there. Like this, I have some of this, and like, and it's not just me. Like this whole community, like my tribe. Mm-hmm. Our our tribe. I mean, you guys are part of it too. Your mm-hmm. dad was in the military. You married to a veteran. All this, your know, sons and all. Our tribe, the same symptoms are there. 
and it's so easy not to get help and you got help without necessarily going and being diagnosed you still talk to people actually I just self-helped myself with Darlene too because I still didn't talk about it for a long long time Darlene was the only one that really knew he was a nut job and she begged me and got mad at me and everything like tell somebody he doesn't deserve to get off scot-free you know he took my brother's rifle that he had my brother let him borrow and when I was throwing all of his stuff back to his dad's house he grabbed that rifle and he said I'm taking that rifle I said that's my brother's rifle and he said, well, you tell your mm, P-word, ask brother, if he wants his rifle, he can come get it from me. Well, that set me off into a tailspin because that was my brother's. So I'm fighting him. I've got the barrel end, and he's got the, whatever you call it, stock end. And we're sitting there playing tug-of-war. And then after the, thought, I, after the fact, I thought, that's really messed up. It could have been loaded. <laughs> or it might have been loaded. Yeah. You know, I, but at the passion of the madness and the... So what would you Everything. tell somebody I didn't now think about it. who's watching this thinking, this is going on to me? I would tell you to uh, don't ignore the warning signs. Don't be stupid and not tell anybody because that was one of my biggest problems. And uh, there's always someone out there that wants to help you. You just got to let them know. It's and hard to do that. Let it is very you. hard because you feel like a failure and they've got you so mind controlled to get away from your family. You're just too scared. And my mind was I was scared. I didn't want my brothers going to jail cuz I felt like he was just they weren't he wasn't worth or they he wasn't worth them messing up their life for. So I didn't tell my brothers. After the fact I did and then I realized I should have but he had me so mind screwed that I didn't. I didn't. I didn't tell anybody. Anybody. Well, Darlene is really. She didn't even know everything. But no, she, but but she had a good inclination, and she tried to help me. But I, I would just play it off. I'm well, like, it's okay. And I remember her saying to me one time, "I'm afraid he'll hurt you." Yeah, that too. Because she was afraid I was going to open my mouth to somebody and that he would hurt me and that fear it was real in her Mm -hmm. you know of course i felt totally helpless Mm -hmm. because i didn't feel like i could do anything but you know in talking about this he was in the service right didn't he go to (laughs) afghanistan or somewhere Mm -hmm. no he went to gulf war didn't his sister say that he had changed when he came yeah immensely he she said the danny we knew before he went to the war is not who he is now so i guess he had extreme ptsd and he had extreme anger Anger. and didn't get help and didn't get help and yeah well and that's you know the um it's hard to get help Mm -hmm. It, it really is you know and i mean like i've and back then it wasn't even so prevalent as it is now it probably wasn't at all about Mm-hmm. And no, PTSD was, was not a real yeah. thing like it is now. Well, it, it but it, it wasn't as yeah well known. But, well, people didn't talk about, and that's that's kind of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, I, I still you getting the word out there. And we go to I go to places in this country in the United States of America, and I've talked to people that have never seen a person in uniform. They have never seen like in the flesh, never hmm. met somebody wearing a military uniform. Wow, wow. And you know, we live down here. Mobile, Northwest Florida, Mobile, Alabama, Biloxi, Louisiana, Texas. That's where folks are coming and joining the mm-hmm. military. Because right. a lot of us are poor folks and we get, a, we get, I mean, it's my story. I wanted a house. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have a nice house. Get that money to sign up. Well, <laughs> to. And, yeah, and, and it's and, like, and, 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 different and benefits. my dad did it mm-hmm. and now I have insurance. Mm-hmm. What I didn't know was it was horrible. I didn't, I'd watched movies. I didn't know that I would never again breathe at night without a CPAP. I didn't know that. You know, there's a million things you don't know. Was the war going on when you joined or did you join it first? I joined right before. Like, 
you talk about like January well, and then 2001. <laughs> I mean, January 2001 was when I went down the recruiter. That's what I'm office. saying. When you joined, you didn't know if this was fixing to happen. No. And then, like, I remember my brother and it was calling like culture me shock. Up after the in September, and my brother's calling me up. I was in Afghanistan. Uh, we're in Germany. We're in Germany. My, my brother called me up and he said, I'm joining the army. And I thought, well, my dad's been in the army, my brother's been in the army. So you felt I've been obligated. Well, that's what he was thinking. And, and like, he really wanted help. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hell no. Mm-hmm. Like, I, back then I was a specialist. I made, you know, I was enlisted. And I'm talking like, it's it's not this. And when I became a chaplain, life got a little bit easier. Still pretty rough life in the Army. It wasn't the Air Force. You know? Right. Um, but, <laughs> but, but my brother was joining and he, so he was going to go be a trigger puller because he can shoot really well. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, he shoots for Glock sporting stuff now. And so he's like a sniper or something? That's what he was going to go do. And I thought, no, man, because you think you're going to go do that, but you might be pushing a broom somewhere. You never know. It's like mm-hmm. needs and arm. When you, when you raise your hand, they tell you where you're going to go, what you're going to do. And it doesn't matter. You might you might have a great skill over here. They may not put you there. Mm-hmm. And that freaked me out because I thought my brother's going to go. And, and it's rough. It's a rough... Like, can't you know, even fathom. I can't even imagine it, really. Well, you can imagine it. It's just like well, I he, mean, just watching war shows. Oh no! It blows my mind. Like, what was that show that just came out not long ago? The guy in World War Two stayed on the island and saved all these guys when everybody left. Oh yeah, that was an awesome movie. What was that movie? Oh, yeah. We saw that, David. What was that? It's like this over the cliff thing. Yeah, yeah. And he was he the non-combative guy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like he would not kill. Some of y'all out there yeah. on my he Facebook page kill. called me up and told me you got to watch this movie. Oh, right. I that, remember Colonel, awesome. that was an awesome movie. Yeah, Colonel Pat called me up and wrote, "Hey, you okay. got to watch that movie." But it was um, amazing because, I mean, I've watched Guns of Navarone and all these war movies with my dad because I love my daddy and I'd do anything to be with my dad. Mm-hmm. And so I watched all these war movies, uh, all of them. Anyway. I didn't ever really get the real gist of it, but when I saw that movie, I was like blown away, and mm-hmm. it's just so scary. That that was World War Two, and now I mean it's just scary to know every every minute you're worrying about if somebody's going to kill you. Well, there's, there's, I can't imagine living through that. There's ladies and men right now in mm-hmm. Afghanistan. I just can't imagine living through in it. Kuwait. In other parts of the world, all over. That's um, traumatic stress. Just worried about if somebody's gonna kill you. Well, it is. It's, it's you're always on the edge. It's like you're. Yeah, yeah. You can't relax. You can't. Twenty four seven. Yeah, and, and, and that some some folks have me done, out. You know, I only did two deployments. There's people who have done multiple. multiple. I mean, like, and again, yeah, I don't think that they come back the same. Like no. Oh God, no. And it so can't be. What do we do with all that pain? Mm-hmm. I, I really think that the answer. The answer to all this is love. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's love, and and we we all know we're gonna die. So, in the meantime, I just love. don't want to be looking over my shoulder every minute, <laughs> no. wondering when's that, it coming. That's true, and I but I think in the meantime, we the, what we can do. The one thing you can do, one thing I can do, is I can love. I can love my family. I can love my friends. Um, you know, Christ says, love your enemies. Buddy, that's... That's a rough one. I'm not sure I'm that's a rough one. ever there. I'm mm-hmm. like, somebody pull me over. And pray head. for those oh. who despitefully use you. Oh, I know. Ah, still there. I'm like, it's hard, it's hard to do. <laughs> Shut it's up. Like, like was, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's a com- we're commanded to do, to that. do that. To pray. And you know, it's mm-hmm. true. And, mm-hmm. and it's to pray and to care. It's the exact opposite. Like I was driving over... The, the bridge to Pensacola Beach because I was at Songwriter Festival last week. Mm-hmm. And I just got over to get to the, you know, there was like one lane where you pay a toll and mm-hmm. there's like three cars and there's like 40 cars here, it seems like. So I just pull over and this guy starts buying me, yelling and screaming and I turn around and give him the old international, you know, <laughs> yeah. what he can do with that. Why was he yelling and screaming? What was his problem? Oh, I pulled over in front of him. But he was like 40 oh. car, he's at least three or four Way back. So you back. just pissed him off. That's it. And it's the next thing I know, this guy's screaming at me, and like they're right up beside me, and I'm like, hey, but you know, I'm giving it to him. 
All you'd have to do is just get out of the car and stand up. They'd be like, dude. <laughs> well, I don't know. But, Not bad. But like, <laughs> wait, here's what I do realize. There was no love in it. No. Like, I was not gracious. I wasn't kind. And, and like, and, and Kate's sitting beside me, and Kate's like, you know, she's, she's got this down, kind of down. She looks at me, and she's like, that's really loving or something. <laughs> and I mean, it was like, it, it, it was, You know what? I have a good example as well. I was driving, and I'm kind of an aggressive driver. Kind of? No. <laughs> Extremely aggressive. Um, there was this ma- old man driving like, 30 miles an hour, and it was only two lanes, and I was like, seriously? And it was like 45, and I couldn't go around him because there was cars coming. And so I'm like, and normally I don't do this, but I was just like on his butt. I was like, screw, I was just fuming. And then he knew, because I guess I was riding his butt, when it came to two lanes, you know, I was ready to just glare him down. I wasn't gonna flip him off or anything, I was just ready to glare. And <laughs> he didn't look, and I looked over at him. He was like, <laughs> really? But then I thought, you know, that's pretty cool. I was so mad, and when he waved at me, like, you know, it was more of a chill out. And, you know, I know I pissed you off, but have a good day. <laughs> and it really chilled me out. Because yeah. I was ready to be all mad and... <laughs> Well, yeah, it's he, weird he, because, like, that guy helped you. Kate helped me. And it happened, like, everything happened in seconds, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. It's, we're talking seconds. It's like, why aren't you going faster? Like, maybe he slowed you down from being in a car wreck, right? Exactly. That's right. We mm-hmm. have no clue. But, mm-hmm. well, anything yeah, else you guys want to say to Vet Church? Well, just keep it just, going on. Just keep watching. It. And you're doing a great service. And we appreciate to a lot you of and Katie so much. Yep. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you up. sharing. Um, it's not easy to be vulnerable. Like they said, it's uh, cancer's got so many of us concerned. Yes. Just one way or another, concerned. Yes. Abuses in life, I'm concerned. And a mm-hmm. bunch of us are going through that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we you know we we've got friends, we've got neighbors. If you're living in America right now and you don't know somebody that's experienced some kind of abuse, you might have your head under a rock. That's right. I mean, it's just it's a tough situation. And all I can tell you, people, if you are going through this abuse, don't be stupid like I was. There's always someone who cares. There's always somebody who can take care of you and get you out of a situation. And there's always counseling, and you can heal. So don't let that person ruin you and control you and take over your life like I did. Amen. But thank God I had the strength to get out of it, and I never went back. That's right. anything like it. I have an awesome husband now. Yep. And that's the gift of God, too. Cooks awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That's my advice. Well, thank you all very much. Thank you for joining us for this Vet Church interview. Your feedback is welcome. Find out more at vetchurch.com or retiredarmychaplain.com.